football library and we're in the memoir section along with booked and second yellow there is this final third with an exclamation mark john smith Ah, oh, yeah thanks for having me yeah does the exclamation mark replace dan trelfer <laughs> you could never replace dan trelfer no no, no exclamation mark could do it yeah exclamation mark's just fun isn't it yeah. You know, final third. If you don't exclaim with Tino Espria, Alan Sugar, Terry Venables, David Seaman, Clough and Taylor, Pele, Lineker and Hughes, and on the back you've got Kevin Keegan, that this is smart. Keegan in a hat and Elton John in a hat. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, all three books have now had a, a Kevin Keegan picture on the back. So <laughs> it became a, bit of a, became a bit of a running theme. So the first one... The first one, because he featured so prominently, the first one had a, had a pretty straight one of him just in a in one of the cool England kits. But then the second one, uh, we had him with his two massive dogs that he had in Germany, Dulux dogs. The old are they old English sheep dogs? Yeah, 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 big fluffy ones. Yeah, so with that, and then this time because Elton John crops up again and Kevin Keegan's there. So they're, they're on the back there having a, having a daft laugh. Daft laugh indeed. And this book yeah. is, um, it is such good value. Yes, it's £22.99 retail price, cheaper elsewhere. But it is the last word on our football heroes. Now, there have been five Toy Story films now. We didn't need four or five. <laughs> are, are you absolutely sure you're all memoired out? Well, I don't know. There's always extra time, isn't there? Oh, uh, well, um, yeah. There, yeah, there's maybe there's maybe enough for for another one, but but for now I'm thinking that uh, I might need to put it aside and come up with a new idea now. Which is you can't beat a bit of bully, right? I mean that's that's the dream. If you can find somebody that would take um, that would take my forensic study of bullseye, I'll get writing on it immediately. There was I think yes. it was either eighteen months ago or the end of last year. I don't know if you heard of it. It was a Radio Four documentary about the social history of bullseye. Oh really? Yeah. I just love it. I just genuinely love it there's no no irony in it I just just love it I find myself watching episodes of it I, I loved it as a kid and um, it's not just the nostalgia of it I, I genuinely along with football there's all biographies um, Bullseye is a, is a running obsession as well well we have had Ned Bolting in the football library and Ned uh, oh, has, wow. he went in search of Eric Bristow on his Heart of right. Darkness book <laughs> it's, it's even better than the title it's, yeah it's, I bet it is one of the I best bet. books that I've read. That's um, great. But not as good as this book. Uh, this book, um, final third exclamation mark. Uh, Alex Horn is on the cover, extolling it. Gabe Turner of Fullwell 73 is on it. Uh, you are friends with the host of BBC Radio 2's For the Love of Hip Hop, which is astoundingly good. It's a weekly listen. It's uh, a good show. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're friends, but I, I have worked on, on Ramesh's show, yeah. Yeah. A, a friend of the ROM. Um, well, unfortunately, we, we did all that through the, the series of that that I worked on was was during lockdown, so yeah. it was it was all done from home. So I, so I, I didn't really even get to meet meet Ramesh. Well, you're going to have to smuggle your trilogy of books because he will dig these. He is the type of guy <laughs> who would love uh, a football memoir. Now we, we're going to play a game later on, but I just want to get through some of the stuff in the book uh, just in case. We haven't sold this enough, and you haven't sold enough copies. Um, the Gaza acceptability checklist. <laughs> chapeau, chapeau. That is a good idea. I Thanks think we're going to have much. that on the wall of the football library. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you do here? Gaza was always a tricky one, how to handle, and, and Dan and I spoke about it in 
for the other books and we and we kind of we sort of deliberately avoided his own book because because obviously he's slightly problematic and he um but he comes up in everybody's books and everybody what becomes clear is that everybody's got a gaza story and uh when it's one a one-off story um, that you were there and saw, then, you know, it can kind of be laughed off as, oh, he was always doing daft things like that. What a character. But when you add all these stories up, you know, it becomes a clearer picture of somebody that, you know, it would take somebody of a stronger constitution than me to to hang around with for any amount of time. So, um, yeah, in the book, there, so we, uh, there's a chapter in now on legends, which I've kind of devoted to the the people who come up the most in other people's stories. And um, so it's Clough and Shankly and George Best and Gaza. And in the Gaza one, uh, yeah, because I, I, I like to break out from the, in within the chapters, I like to break out into the odd table here and there or the odd, you know, like a nicknames table or things like that. So, um, yeah, I thought let's work out what people do and don't find acceptable for Gaza. So um, I put a few of his antics into a grid and then there's a little column next to it that you can go in if you're if you're the sort of person who writes in a book that you can tick or cross as, as you see fit what you would deem acceptable and what's over the line. I, I should send this questionnaire to uh, every football library visitor who have come through in the last... Two and a half years, because there have been... I've, individual visits were up to about 235. John Smith, you came in before with Dan Trelford to talk about Booked and Second Yellow. Final third is the new book. Um, there are a couple of things. Um, so there is the Mount Rushmore that you mentioned. Shankly, who didn't acknowledge American time. Loved it. Yeah. It's one of my favourite things. What's a, what a thing to know about somebody. <laughs> Just refused to accept it. And then just went went on went on an American tour, just refused to accept that it was a different time zone and just lived his life at, at UK time, which yeah. nobody else on the tour did. So the rest of his players were, you know, obviously easier going characters and prepared to accept the the world clock. And um, but but Shanks was a bit stuck in his way. So Sounds like something Carl Pilkington would do. No, I'm not having it. I'm not <laughs> not wake, waking up eight hours. Not having it. Um, the world's waking up with me. Um, Yes, Shankly, George Best, of, of whom we know, Paul Gascoigne, and Brian Clough. And I've got this image now of a, a frieze kind of sculpted into the wall, of the outer wall of the football library of the four great men, as if it's kind of a Mount Rushmore. Uh, Clough comes up brilliantly. I had no idea anything about Morris Edwards. How did you stumble upon this story? How did I find this book? I, well, I, what I've been interested in is, is the people that have written books that you might not expect. So, you know, of course, Paul Merson's written a book. Of course, Paul Parker's written a book. Of course, Gaz has written a book. But you dig around and you find that somebody who was a director or, you know, was a chairman of chairman of Doncaster or uh, the, the physio. Uh, so Mick Rathbone, one of, the, one of the big finds of this was Mick Baz Rathbone. Were you familiar with Mick Baz Rathbone? I haven't read the book, but everything I've heard about the smell of football seems to point to... I think he's written another one. He's, he's got a new one out, yeah. which um, which I'm keen to read, and you should, you should get him in if I you must, can. He's, I he's must an incredible get him character, and his book is really good. But yeah, Morris Edwards was um, uh, a sort of news agent by day and um, confidant 
and scout for Clough and Taylor by night. And um, yeah, so it, it, he wrote a memoir, sort of the inside track on Clough and Taylor and um, years of work at Derby and Forest. The, the book is called Brian and Peter. I will certainly find it. Uh, before I forget, where is your football library? What have you done with all your books? They are currently dotted around everywhere. Because, um, so when, when I was working with Dan, Dan tended to prefer a Kindle. Um, so it didn't have this storage problem that I've got. But I, I like ploughing through uh, hardbacks and paperbacks. So I've got about three boxes full under the bed. I've got four shelves full of them. I've got some more in a shed, in boxes in a shed. Um, they are dotted around, waiting for me to do something with them. Well, uh, I might have, a, might have a nice, might have a nice boot sale. I might pick my favourites out and keep my favourites, and then take them for a nice boot sale. Well, I will definitely be there at the front of the queue, or if the queue is closed, I'll be queuing for the queue, and that dates. <laughs> Our conversation at the, at the start of this bank holiday weekend, which uh, I will spend finishing this book, Final Third. I've read about a third of it, which means that I know that you compared Jeff Bezos and his brother to two famous bald Everton players. Yeah, it was my first thought. So, yeah, Thomas Gravison and Lee Carsley. I like this. Um, Gravison and Carsley played together for Everton, of course, and... Um, they look like a big brother and a little brother all the time that they played together. These two sort of burly, bald guys running around in the middle there. And when Jeff Bezos and his brother uh, came back from Spain, they had blue uniform on, and there was a lovely picture of the two of them together. And it's just that sort of hardwired football brain. The mm. first, my first thought was, they look like Thomas Gravison and um, uh, Lee Carsley. And Lee Carsley is the current manager of England under-21s. He might well manage the he England is. team one day. I hope yeah. Thomas Gravison comes in as his number two. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that would. Thomas Gravison's... Um, a, the Mick Baz Raffer talks about him in terms of being difficult, a difficult man to treat for injury. Oh, this was a hilarious really, anecdote. Yeah, I love sort of slightly dread, slightly dread going on to treat Thomas Gravison because he was... Um, uh, an angry man, nice as pie off it, apparently. But um, but yeah, an angry man to to treat. That sort of wants your help, doesn't want your help. Wants very specific help. There is a chapter on boardroom figures. A chapter which uh, it's a nice collection of club employees, like the kit person and the physio, indeed, like Baz Rathbone. Uh, and also, uh, there's a chapter on forwards, and I note that there is no forward. So, if there were a Toy Story four, a kind of extra extra time, sudden death, that would be sudden death. That would be your book of obituaries. Um, who would write the forward for your book? Oh, I don't know. Do you want it? Yeah, I'll have it. <laughs> but I would, yeah, well, I, I would make sure nothing about you. It would be like a, a load of grievances and cavils that I have with other people, and nothing, and That's then go, the oh thing. yeah, good bloke, good bloke. That's the thing. The forwards is, is um, one of the things that has benefited from this being a third book because you pick up little bits as you're going through. But it was only sort of once you, once I sailed past 300 books that um, you get enough to to put it together that it comes together as a chapter. Uh, and obviously, it's nice to start a book with a, a chapter on forwards. I don't think there's too many of them, but it's. Um, it's a funny trend uh, among football books. There, there are those that, that can knock them off and, you know, it's like a real stamp of approval with Kenny Dalglish is doing it or Alex Ferguson's yeah. doing it. But then there are others who will just use it to 
air their own grievances or talk about themselves and it's just a, a really odd mix like Howard Kendall is quite funny Howard Kendall um, in both Kevin Sheedy's and Pat Van Howes, um he uses the line Pat slash Kevin uh, would have been my greatest signing forever if I hadn't signed Neville's house which feels like it, you know, it would have been better off in Neville's house but the, the fact that you have spotted it is, is not just the sign of brilliant research but brilliant note taking and I cannot imagine the Rolodex. It, it, in all seriousness, it, the only person who's researched as much as you is David Goldblatt, who would have lever arch files about various aspects of football history. And this isn't even your day job. That's the incredible thing. Uh, and no, it's a real, real labour of love. Yeah. And you also, you dug so deep into football literature that in Pat Nevin's book, The Accidental Footballer, you were able to uncover that Pat is a fan of independent rock music. Yeah, imagine that. I mean, yeah, it really, really blew the lid off that one. I, I think you should have kept that quiet and leaked it to a newspaper. Yes, yeah, because you, you would never hear it from him. I, I think last time we had you in the Football Library, it was before Pat published his book. I think it came out in the middle of last year. And that is one of my favourite. Uh, Pat Nevin does not make your list of great football literature at the back of the book. So let's play, and I feel like I have I Got News for host. Bibliography bingo. Dun, 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 ba, da, ba, ba. This bibliography is the biggest apart from David Goldblatt. It goes on and as a book in itself. You, you could do a monograph of the books. So I have decided to play a game and you can read this book yourself. Find out which Leicester player should go on strictly. Find out whom you call the Teutonic Tony Pulis. Find out whose boots David Beckham was actually wearing when he lobbed Neil Sullivan. Read the book. But for the next 25 minutes or so, for the rest of the Zoom call, we're going to play Bibliography Bingo. So you're aware that there are 312 books in the bibliography. Wow, okay. John Smith. So you are quite right. There are over 300. Uh, and you do drop that throughout the text. Uh, before we play Bibliography Bingo, this is the kind of... Actually, let's do it Ken Bruce style. So our contestant is, is John, who's in London. Are you in London? I am in London, yes. Yeah, John, who is in London. Hello, John. What, do you, what is it that you do? Tell me about yourself. Oh, I work in television, Ken. Oh, very, very um, interesting. And a family, who are they? Uh, yeah, wife and three children. Oh, excellent. Born. And and you've written a book called Final Third, which has 312 sources and about 300 pages, published by Pitch, £22.99. pence. great Christmas present, I Christmas is coming. It, it certainly would be. I think. It, you know, faces would light up across the country opening this on Christmas morning. I think I'll get Jeremy, Jeremy Vine. I think I'll get him a, a copy. Right, your, your bonus questions are bibliography bingo. So I would like you to name some numbers or number some numbers and then I will um, match that number with one of the 312 books that you have sourced for this book, Final Third. A score, what is it going to be? What do you usually get? Uh, on Potmaster, you know, I... I... High 20s, high 20s, early 30s. Oh, that would be a good score. Let's have, let's have that today. Go for, go for 30s, I think. That will mean nothing to anyone who doesn't get. And I love, Daniel Harris did this as well. He would put in jokes that if someone didn't get, didn't care. So when you put at the end of your acknowledgements, a big hello to everyone who knows me, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. I feel, I feel like if you get it, then great. If not, there's another one along in a minute. No. So if you're ready... Can you pick your first number on Bibliography Bingo? Um, uh, let's say number six. 
Ah, number six is your manager. So you've chosen a best 11 and your manager would be Mal Allison. Not Brian Clough, strangely, but Mal Allison. So um, Mal is a huge character with a cigar in his hat. But what in particular do you remember most about reading Big Mal's book? It's early enough. It's one of those. It's written in the early 80s, I think. It's very candid. You know, there's things in it that you think wouldn't necessarily be in a, a more modern book. Um, he's full of his own self-importance. You know, some of it justified, some of it not so much. Um, but he's just very candid. Um, doesn't care. Uh, he'll tell you who he likes. He's keen to tell you who he doesn't like. Um, he's very keen to tell you when he was right. Doesn't mind going below the waist and telling you about the odd sexual conquest. It's, um, you know, it's more than you would get from Graham Potter. I'm guessing. Oh, who who will surely have a memoir out one day. It is interesting how Pat <laughs> Nevin is a middle-class writer, university-educated, listened to uh, top DJ, does, does the punditry stuff. A lot of the books in this bibliography bingo that we are playing now to promote your book, Final Third, please get this book. These are working-class workplace stories. Yeah, often they are, yeah. Hmm. Um, I will go for number 111, which is We All Live in a Perry Groves World, which is, oh, he's, a, he's a lovely man, Perry. Did, have you met Perry Groves through media? I haven't met Perry Groves. I saw him in the street once. And I did... saw him in the street once when I was in, uh, I went to university in Southampton. And when he left Arsenal, Perry Groves went to Southampton for a year, an injury played year or two. And I can remember seeing him just running around the streets uh, near the Dell. Oh, that's a good well, answer. That's as close as we've ever come to a conversation. And can you remember one funny anecdote or serious anecdote from We All Live in a Perry Groves world? Yes. Um, I mean, again, he's another one who's very candid. He, he almost made this list. He's, um, yeah, he's very candid. But there, there's a lovely story of um, when he was an apprentice at Colchester, he's um, in digs with the Colchester groundsman and they do not get on to the point where even though they're going to the same ground at the same time of day you know there's no lift very little chat they just rub each other up the wrong way and then one day um, the groundsman appears to collapse players run over to help and, um, and Perry's in two minds Perry's sent off to get him get him a glass of water or, or get him I can't remember what they get but he's, he's sent off to get something to revive him cup of tea I think it was is it a cup of tea? Yeah. yeah. Takes his time. Takes his time. So that caretaker almost wasn't living in a Perigrose world. Which is brilliant. That is, and well done for dissecting that. Um, the, the thing <laughs> I learned about Perigrose is that he has kicked himself for the last 30 years for not being in the shot when Michael Thomas scored the winning goal against Liverpool because <laughs> he ran to the fans instead. And so yeah, he ran the wrong way. Ran yeah. the wrong way. We all live in a Perigrose world. Can we have another number on bibliography bingo, please, John? 39. Ah, now this is brilliant. The 39th uh, biography listed alphabetically is an independently published book by a player I have not heard of. His name is Paul, I'm going to go Cannell, but it could be Cannell. Paul Cannell. It would be, because the title of the book is unrepeatable. Um, Yeah. But the the second word is hell. So Paul Cannell, where did you find him? What is the story and what is a fun anecdote about him? Um, it says Effinghell Paul Cannell is what it's called, but it's it's spelled out, which I guess is um, the freedom that self-publishing or independent publishing mm. can, can give you. Uh, so I was put onto that by the very talented comedy writer uh, Dan Meyer. 
Yep. Um, who I was working with at the time in the early days of, of, of this idea, and, and it came up in conversation that I was doing it. And, um, and he said, oh, I'll tell you when you want to read, you want to read, because he's a Newcastle fan. And um, Paul Cannell played for Newcastle in the 70s. Played for Newcastle and Sunderland. Um, but the joy of Paul Cannell's is that he um, he played in America uh, when the NASL was up and running and it was all sex, drugs and rock and roll. So when Pele was there and Cruyff was there and Beckenbauer was there and a, a lot of British players went over for a summer. Um, Paul Cannell uh, was there, played in uh, Vancouver, I think, and Montreal and Detroit and Washington and, yeah, just had a lovely time doing it. And it's just got wild, wild stories. If we can't say the title of the book, then we, then not all of them will be repeatable. But there's a lot of sex and drugs and rock and roll in there. He is your left winger in this team. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna... just, because it just came out of nowhere. I, I, I hadn't heard of him certainly before um, before I got hold of the book, and it was a, a lovely surprise. I'm going to go for two five five, which brings us to Hope Solo who I think only Megan Rapino rivals her for the mouth. I would love to see, and Hope does a lot of broadcasting in the States now. She's a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. But a tabloid fixture. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Megan Rapino's got a book out. Yes, now, she has. She, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think if I, if I needed more than it, it would have been on the, on the list of one of the next ones I would have got in. But yeah, Hope Solo's is, is, is great. Um, uh, we got a lot from that. She's, she's had an interesting career from sort of dabbling, playing in France. Um, she talks about all her American coaches, she talks about being a tabloid star. She talks about a, a horrific injury she got, which made it into second yellow when she uh, snagged her arm on a on the post. Mm. I, I assume on like a net hook on the post and uh, ripped her arm mm-hmm. uh, wide open to the point where you could see the bone. Uh, she also talks about her dad being wanted for murder. But he didn't do it, so that's all right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There is a chapter dedicated. I forgot to say this to the goalkeeper, the humble goalkeeper between <clears throat> the sticks. Uh, there's a lot of fuss talked about the first name on the team sheet. Well, I'm here to tell you it's nonsense. The first name on the team sheet, goalkeeper, even if they're no good. You start at the back of the team from the top of your post-it note, envelope, or fag packet, and you start with the goalie. Anything else is just anarchy. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's right. Right. You've got to start with a goalkeeper. And also, goalkeepers write the most interesting books. Do you think? Yeah. Having read even Never Frankly. Really, even though it's really hard to do it with a gloves on. Yeah. Well, um, who was I reading about? There was a goalkeeper. Actually, it was, it's in my novella. I've written about my goalkeeper, Travers, who has this weird superstition of always putting his left glove and right boot on first. So it's up to right. the reader to think, how, how does he do that? But yeah, with gloves. <laughs> All, all the right notes, not in the right order. Uh, let's go one five three. Paul Lake, the FA Youth Cup winner, who is still really here. Um, and Paul's book is by far and away one of the best books. I remember reading it in the London Library because I, I had a membership at the time about 10 years ago and it had just come out. And so frank, so honest, not just because of the, the, he tried to kill himself, uh, but the era that he was writing in. The, the cusp of the moneyed era was interesting. Yeah, I, I would say, without hesitation, out of all the books I've read, my absolute favourite is Paul Lake's. 
I would recommend it to anybody. It's got it's got everything in it, as you say. You know, it battles with depression and um, thoughts of suicide to um, sort of genuinely funny stories in it. Uh, it's a real hard luck tale. He was a, he was a great player. Um, he was very highly regarded and on his way up, and then just terrible luck with injuries and suffered really bad treatment. You you feel like he might have stood a slightly better chance in the more modern era but it's yeah it's a great great book and and next to Paul McGrath my god they would have had some stories to tell McGrath's book is uh, is not actually listed in the bibliography you missed it well it's interesting Paul McGrath because Paul McGrath is one that I I read years ago back from the brink so I so I didn't read it for this project so I didn't feel like I could include it it's one that I had read previously and um as good as it is, it's quite it's quite dark as you would expect. Mm. You know, he's, he's a man with his demons. So yeah, we weren't in a rush to um, to dip into it uh, get... for, for funny anecdotes. But um, but it's a great book. From I, I remember reading it, and it's a great book about a great player. I would hope that there's some kind of documentary being made about Paul. I know he's said it all, um, but we forget, and I forget because I'm far too young. But before Rio Ferdinand, there was Paul McGrath. Yeah, that's a fair comparison, I think. He's such a great player. There's a lovely... I'm sure you've seen the um, Finding Jack Charlton documentary. Oh, no, I haven't. Um, Oh, you should really watch that, Finding Jack Charlton, um, which is about, you know, it's Jack's life story, but it's also, you know, we find him uh, battling with dementia. And there's just a lovely bit when they're showing him clips and he doesn't always know what's going on. And there's a lovely bit when he recognises Paul McGrath and just just sort of a huge smile comes over his face, just a just a wave of recognition. Oh, it's really, really nice. Well, we're going through uh, some of the bibliography. We can't do all 312 books uh, in the bibliography of Final Third, the last word on our football heroes. Uh, what's with the, on the cover, what's with the uh, full house, the cards? Just a lot of stories about cards. So we had, um, we had a pint of beer on the first one because there was... A lot of drinking stories, as you would expect. And then on the second one, uh, we had a, a pigeon poking out because there was a surprising number of pigeon stories, and uh, <laughs> it just felt like there were a lot of uh, a lot of stories about playing cards. Yeah, we uh, uh, up, so it just became a little bit of a theme or a motif through it. So I thought it was worthy of sticking on the front. That's wicked, and it's it's your turn to pick a number. Uh, let's go uh, three oh eight. Let's go three. high. That well, talking about cards and beer and pigeons, three oh eight is near the end of the list. So uh, he's passed away since you started this project. Frank Worthington, my mum's um, partner, who is a Leicester fan, has many a tale about the after dinner exploits of Frank <sighs> Worthington, but they do not make them any more like Frank Worthington. They really don't. He's another person I saw in real life. Actually, I, I, the one and only time I've ever been to Wimbledon. I saw him on one of the outer courts. He was watching. Uh, he was watching the Stasi playing yeah. in the veterans. Not non-surprise at all. The Stasi, one of the no, exactly. You, if, you, if you thought Frank Wervenham was at Wimbledon, you'd, that's who you'd imagine he was watching, right? That's a great story because it, it matches everything <laughs> up. And um, Frank has written a book, and the stories are well known because they came out in the uh, obituary. We are at the era 
where all these footballers, because they were all present in the TV era of the 60s and 70s, there was that horrific run, like Jack Charlton, of all these Leeds players passing away. Yes, of course, yeah. But, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the older, the older statesmen, fortunately, Pelé is still alive. In fact, I think every figure, apart from Cluffy, is Peter Taylor still alive? No. 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 Every figure in this, on the, on the cover of the book, apart from Clough and Taylor, uh, have yeah. passed away. But yes, um, it means that there will be a pang whenever someone dies that you'll say, oh yeah, I know their life story. It's, do you know what? It's true. We, we lost David Armstrong recently, didn't we? The yes. um, uh, Borough and Southampton midfielder. And, and he's somebody who cropped up in this uh, quite a lot. Yeah, very um, well respected, apparently. Yeah, and Andy Gorham. Uh, Andy Goron dying meant there was a, a slight edit to a chapter or two. Mm. Yes, that's that's very sad. And you can't go back and edit booked and second yellow in that no. respect. I wonder if yes, well, because you can't. But maybe an online version of it, if you were to extend this, or a, a museum version in the football library, because uh, there will be a kind of those who served, they also served yeah. section. Um, can we do 238? 238 is Razor Ruddock, The World According to Razor. Now, I've not read this book, but I did buy it in paperback. And he comes up in the introduction. He is the most unreliable narrator, it seems, Razor. He really is. He loves a story. The, the, so that's the, the, the World According to Razor is the most recent one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so that's his most recent one. So, he, so his other one isn't quite... He's uh, really a Hellraiser, is... Yeah entertaining and not blighted by the same thing the, the world according to razor there's a there's a whiff of um the after dinner circuit about it he he tells a story and he tells a story really well and he doesn't seem to mind whether it's true or not um so the the, the example that i think you're alluding to is um there's a famous anecdote uh when harry rennett was in charge of west ham and uh, we were playing i say we yeah, we were playing a friendly away at Oxford City and um, there was a fan in the crowd behind Redknapp's shoulder and he was barracking Lee Chapman for being very poor on the day. So Redknapp uh, dragged Chapman off and put this guy on in a sort of see if you can do any better kind of way, which is a lovely enough story as it is, and, I, and, and the guy scored, a, he did score, I think, but it was ruled out, it was offside, and Redknapp has told this story enough, and he embellished it slightly, but I was surprised to find it in Razor Ruddock's book, because he's not even there. So Razor Ruddock tells this story as if he was playing, when it happened, I think, four years before oh, he crazy. got there. Because uh, I was researching Alex Ferguson, and Damien Hughes, who works with Jake Humphrey, lifted wholesale a chunk of Danny Taylor's book to the world and and I I lost respect for the whole book I almost (laughs) flung it across the room which I rarely do with books I don't encourage chucking in the football library or Johnny Nicholson will come and I haven't mentioned Johnny Nick for a while but Johnny has been kind of the hermit in the library and uh, he mourned uh, David Armstrong as well as a Borough fan Um, 146 Roy Keane Two books yes. that he's written, one with Roddy Doyle and one with Eamon Dunphy. Um, yeah. Roy Keane pops up in many books, not least Peter Crouch. He seems to have become a football treasure by stealth he does. And because of telly. He really does on the quiet. People really like him, don't they? Which is, and I do too, which, you know, at one point in his career was, was unimaginable. Um, when he was sort of the 
snarling figure at the centre of the dominant Man United team. But what a player he was! Such a great player. So uh, it's just his words carry weight, don't they? I, th- I think he's, he's, people enjoy seeing him as a pundit, um, and getting irate about certain things. And um, yeah, the books the books reflect that. The books are great. Yeah, and isn't it amazing that the person he um, had the contretemps with, which got him banned, his son is now one of the best players in the world. Of course, yeah. Um, not that it matters. Yeah, Alfie Harland, whom we hear very little yeah. about, because we hear so much about Erling, um, whom I, I imagine his memoir will be. Yeah, I grew up, I was good at football, and that's it. The modern day footballer's memoir is not going to be as big as I don't know number two eight six Pat Vanden Howe, who is in your team, psycho Pat. Pat Vanden Howe's book is incredible. Pat Vanden Howe's book was one of the earliest ones I read, and it was. Definitely the one when I thought this idea is a goer. There's this is going to work. There's there's enough in this. It's a, a, astonishing. Mouth book. The violence in it. There's again with the sexual exploits. Just a lot of daft stories in there, and a lot of vendettas. He had a uh, one of my favourite things in his book early on was he had a celebrity spat with um, the guy who used to play Brian Tilsley in Coronation Street. No, don't ask me who that is. Wow. But that well, is... his name is Chris, Chris, uh, Chris Quinton, his name is. And, um, but it's a very sort of late 80s spat to be having Pat Van Howe and Chris Quinton. There's a time when that would have been, that would have been front page. That Indeed. would be like, um, yeah. Well, the, the last question, your final, your, this is for um, the Full House. You've done very well so far. But, is it lovely to imagine a team with Hope Solo in goal, Mel Sterling, Paul Ake, Paul McGrath, Pat Vandenhauer, Roy Keane, Kevin Keegan, Diego Maradona, Paul Cannell, Frank Worthington and Roy McDonough in about 30 seconds. Can you sum up Roy McDonough's life? So Roy McDonough, I was first aware of him as a South End player because I grew up in Essex. So South End were often in the local papers and Roy McDonough was there then. I had no idea of the number of clubs he'd played for then, but he was. I think Southend came somewhere in the middle of about 14 or 15 different clubs. So Roy jobbed around quite a lot. Villa, as a kid, was his sort of professional peak, I guess. And then Southend, Colchester, Exeter. But his book is just so entertaining. Um, in the first book we wrote, booked, uh, we had a special chapter that we kind of put behind the divider and said, you know, caution here, here be dragons. And a lot of that was down to Roy McDonough's, um, Roy McDonough oversharing. Because the book but is titled... Red Card Roy, Sex Booze in Early Bars. Red Card Roy. So he'll be, so you'll be down to 10 men within 10 minutes, or you'll just have to bring yeah. on Norman Whiteside, your super sub. But Mal Allison will yeah. have his hands full with that 11. So, yep, I'll, I'll give you 39 points. Well done. And you get your digital radio... <laughs> Uh, and I think that really does leave you 30 seconds uh, to say hello. Final third, the last word on our football heroes, completes the trilogy uh, of books uh, from John Smith. The first two written with Dan Trelfer, booked and second yellow. This is the ideal book for football lovers, footballer lovers, footballers and lovers. Don't take my word, take Alex Horn's word. And uh, Gabe Turner, Full Well 73, who is a massive Sunderland fan and produces uh, various documentaries. Anything that's been written by footballers and is worthy of your time will not have slipped past John. An absolute masterpiece. And I've only read half of it, so I'm going to have to finish it. Bibliography bingo is something that you can play 
uh, if you come across John in his work, uh, he is on Twitter at very popular name. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library!